Church family, this year our theme is to go ahead and be committed. And the word committed means to give, to give in trust or to place in the hands of another. Simon, stand up over there if you don't mind for just a second here. This is a glass. Could you hold this for a second here? Don't, don't drop it if you don't mind. I trust him. That's why I do that. Okay, uh, stand up here for a second here. Skylar. Okay, ready? Here we go. I would never throw it to you. All right. And the reason I wouldn't throw it to him, but I don't have a problem with throwing to him, is because I trust him. You know, the problem with us as Christians, we don't trust God. You think, you think your life is so valuable that God doesn't know what's best for you? That he can't take care of you? That he can't guide you on what ministry and what he wants to use you for? Amen. I want to just tell you that we as Christians need to trust the Lord. This morning, I want to talk, teach uh, and preach for a few moments out of Judges chapter number 7. And I want to use Gideon's 300 men because they trusted God. They placed their hands in God's for three things. And I want to show you those three things this morning. Let's ask the Lord's blessing. You tell fellows, maybe seated. You can hold on to that. I don't need that one right now. Please don't drop that if you don't mind. Thank you very much. Appreciate your help, Simon. Father, thank you again for your word. It's going to ask for your power of the Holy Spirit. Help us again to place ourselves in your hands. Lord, whatever it is of life, Lord, even this morning's uh, service, Lord, uh, our hearts go out to then the prices and the reps concerning the loss, Lord, of mother and grandmother. And Lord, just ask you to please again help this message to be encouragement, not just for them, but for all of us to realize our life is in your hands. And Father, may we trust you. Now, Father, again, teach us from your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, Judges chapter 7, look at your Bible now. Look at verse number 1, Judges chapter 7, verse 1. Then Zerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them, by the hill of Moreh, in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Verse 3, Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. Verse 5, so he brought down the people under the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue, as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink, and the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the, the three hundred men that lapped will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go, every man unto his place. All right, now, church, let's get the story in our mind this morning for just a little bit as far as what's going on. When you look at this particular story, the children of Israel, the Bible says the Midianites were basically holding the Israelites captive, all right? So the Midianites are the enemy, the Israelites, God's people. Now, I'm going to tell you the numbers, and we might come to them later, but there were 135,000 Midianites that had come against Israel. If you noticed, uh, just doing the addition a moment ago in those first few verses, you're going to find out that uh, Gideon and his army had 32,000 men, and we know that 22,000 of them went home as soon as they found out, oh, if you're afraid, you can walk out the back door. 
All right, are we all together so far? I look at the, these as categories, if you don't mind, because there's three categories, all right? The first categories were those who were cowards. Hey, listen, if you don't want to go fight, just go home. And I want to tell you, it's a, it's a shame that there are Christians that just because you don't want to, you go home. And you don't go home to a physical house, but you just give up on God. You're not willing to take a stand for the Lord and let the Lord use you and be like the 300 men. You, you're looking for the easy way out. Now, church, I know our ages and God's call and God's will in our life is different for every person in here. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, are you willing to even get up in the morning and read your Bible? Are you willing to make sure that you're in church? Are you willing to at least carry a gospel track that when the Lord opens up an opportunity that you can say, hey, listen, would you at least read this? It can tell you how you can go to heaven. Now, I want to tell you, as a Christian, listen to me. I'm saved and on my way to heaven, and if I would allow my flesh to have control, I'd be just like all those other fearful ones. Uh, I don't really want to do this. Okay, we might not want to live the Christian life, but I want to tell you, you were bought with a price. You should live the Christian life. So I look at this first group. They were fearful. They were afraid. And so Gideon comes to them after God says, Gideon, there's too many people here that's going to go to battle. Now think, church family, 32,000 going against 135,000. Those still are not very good odds. So God says to Gideon, Gideon, listen, there's too many. You need to tell those, hey, if they're just afraid, let them go home. Now think about it. They go to bed that night. The next morning, 22,000 are gone. So now he's left with 10,000. And if you're the captain general, Gideon, you're thinking to yourself, I don't really like this. I have 10,000 people who said they weren't fearful and afraid. They're just dumb. All right. They're going to go fight against 135,000 Midianites. So then God says, still too many. There's still too many on your army. I don't want you going with 10,000 people to defeat 135,000 because what's going to happen is Israel is going to vaunt themselves and think it's because of them. Hey, how many's learned a long time ago it's not because of us? Everything in life is because there's a God in heaven that's very graceful to us. So he says to those, he says, I want you to come down to the river. He says, now when you get down to the river, I'm going to stay up here so you can see. When he gets down to the river, he says, what I want you to do is he says, I want you to have all, of, every, all your 10,000 men drink. And he says, there's going to be some, uh, several some. He says, they're going to get down, and the Bible says they're going to lap the water like a dog. All right, now, I don't know a lot about dogs, but last time I saw a dog, I never saw a dog with a cup in his hand drinking, okay? He sticks his little nose down in the water, and he drinks the water, all right? God says, I don't want that guy. He says, the guy I want is the guy that's on, on, on a knee, and he's cupping his hand, and he's, taking the, and he's cupping that water to his mouth. He says, the ones that lap like dogs, let them go home. The ones that lap that water and brought it up to their mouth, those are the ones you're going to keep. And the number gets down to 300. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking to myself, if Gideon is the one that's going to lead this army, and he's got 10,000 people that are left to go against 135,000, and all of a sudden he says, guys... I want you to all drink water. And he knows what's going to happen. And he sees all these people just dropping. I'm, I'm thinking he's nervous. I'm thinking he's starting to do doing the calculation. 300. Okay, the rest of you guys act like dogs go home. You three, 300 guys, let the water stay here. Now, can you imagine he gets his army? And again, if I was going to characterize them, the first group were the cowards, okay? When I, when, I, when I look at the second group of guys, where they, these guys that didn't laugh and they just stuck their, their nose in there, these are the guys that were, they were just careless. In other words, they, oh, water's here, let's just go after it. They were careless. And by the way, I think this is, again, three categories of Christian life. You have those who are cowards, you have those who are careless, and then you have those who are committed. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. These 300 men that, that, that took that water and brought it up to their mouth, these were the ones that were going to be committed that God could use in a great way. We don't know their names. We just know they went to battle against 135,000 Midianites. 
Can I tell you, there's a bunch of Christians that will never be a pastor of a church or a missionary on a foreign field, but they're that person that's faithful in the church that God uses mightily to allow the light to shine where it's at. I've already said I'm thrilled about Brother Meeks, and I could tell so many stories this morning, but when I sat up here a moment ago, and I could just, my mind goes back to Brother Meeks. Brother Meeks was a high up in the, high up in the uh, Lawrence Paper Company. He's the one that designed their presses. I'm talking about designed them mechanically to put them together to be able to make the stuff. The owner would come to him and say, hey, listen, I need this made, and he'd go figure out how to make it happen. And then, and then over the years when different things were going on around here, he's that fellow that Brother Meeks was such a help to our church in just a variety of areas. We have a printing ministry. He works for Lawrence Paper Company. I can't tell you how much stuff we got from Lawrence Paper Company. He probably stole it, but we got it. <laughs> There's people like Brother Meeks and like yourself that when you get to heaven, it's not going to be that on this earth that you're going to get accolades and people are going to pat you on the back, but there's a God in heaven that keeps track of all the things that you're doing, both behind the scenes and in front of the scenes where God uses you. And these 300 men were like that. There's, they're never named in Scripture. We don't even know who they were. So now they're going to go to battle against the Midianites, these 300 men with Gideon. I want you to look at your Bible now. I want you to see what happens in the Scriptures here in Judges chapter 7. And I want you to pick it up with me in verse number uh, 16. And he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow with a trumpet, and I and, and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the host ran and cried and fled. And the 300 blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow. Talking about the Midianites. And the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. Now, I don't know if you can see what's about to take place here. And again, uh, I won't take long necessarily to preach the message, but I just want you to picture what's going on. Could you like that for me, babe? Oh, you got it. I'm sorry. You're not my babe, but anyway. Since I said babe, you can't do it. Sorry. Thank you very much. I don't want anybody to get any false ideas with you, Brother Curtis. All right? All right. Now, just remember, here's what took place with, with these 300 men. We're going to pretend that you all are the Midianites. There's 135,000 of you. There were 300 Israelites in the, in the, on the army. Gideon took 100 of his men and went to one side. He sent uh, the other 100 to this side and the other 100 to this side. So they were basically on the outskirts of where all these guys are sleeping. So here they are sleeping, and it's time to change the guard. And so as soon as the guard gets done changing... Uh, Gideon from his side says, now whatever I do, that's what you're going to do. He says, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to blow the trumpet. Am I allowed to blow this? Yeah. I can't remember. I don't see. I'm going to blow it anyway. All right. I hope this is COVID okay. All right. I should be a trumpeter. That wasn't hard. Okay, you got the general idea. They blew the trumpet, and then the Bible says that they smashed their pitcher. Now, from what I gather, from what I can see is this, okay? 
They had this. They, this, was like, this was a clay pitcher. I'm just going to drop this. I'm not gonna, it won't break. I hope. All right. They broke their pitcher. They lift their torch up, or what the Bible calls a lamp, and then they shouted, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Now think about that. It's coming from three different sides, over here, over here, and over here. And all of a sudden, these Midianites wake up out of a dead sleep, and they don't know if the enemy's in the camp. All they heard is this crashing of this pitcher, this trumpet that's being blown, this shout that's being given. And all of a sudden, the closest thing to them by the bedside is their sword, and they grab it. It's nighttime. They see people moving. Guess what? They start killing each other. Just remember, 120,000 of the 135,000 died right then because they killed each other. You know, I want to tell you how that happened. It's because of the Lord, okay? Yes, it was God. The Bible says it very clearly that God's the one that caused them to, to take their sword and to kill one another. But can I just tell you, it would have never happened if there would not have been 300 men that were committed that were going to do exactly what Gideon said, and they blew a trumpet, and they smashed the pitcher, and they lifted their, their lamp, and they shouted. Now, can I just tell you, this morning, all of us ought to be committed, and I look at these guys, and I think to myself, what were they committed to? What was the commitment that, in, that was involved? I want to point out three things in this passage quickly with you this morning. Look back at your Bible, verse number 16. In verse number 16... It says, and he, Gideon, divided the 300 men into three companies. Verse 17, and he said unto them, look on me and what? Do likewise. Now, I can read the rest of these verses, verse 16 through 18 specifically, but I think you got the idea here that these 300 men that we don't even know their names were willing to follow Gideon and do exactly what Gideon said. Can I just tell you that if you're going to be committed, you need to be committed, and sometimes it's a person, a physical person that God wants us to be committed to. Follow me very, very closely. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean on to thine own understanding. Who's our trust supposed to be in? Trust in God. Am I correct? In fact, in the book of Psalms, God makes it very, very clear. Psalm chapter 118, verse 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Just remember, man is going to let us down. Man is going to do things that are wrong. But God places people in our life for us to trust that are trusting him. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1. He said, be followers of me as I am a follower of Christ. In other words, God, you know what happens? Sometimes we as Christians, especially as independent Baptists, somebody burns a bridge or betrays our trust or we get burnt because of an offense or whatever it might be. And all of a sudden, we're not going to trust anybody. Just remember, you cannot get around the fact that God put the husband in the home to lead the home, just like God put the pastor of the church to lead a church. The pastor is not a dictator. He is an overseer. That's what the word pastor means. It's talking about the word bishop. It means to be an overseer. God places human people in our, in our lives that we can commit to as they are committed to Christ. These 300 men followed Gideon. The reason that battle was won that day when the odds were so great. Think about this. 300, 185,000 Midianites. The odds were 450 to 1. I'm not talking about being committed to a person, capital P, because our commitment is to the Lord Jesus Christ, capital P, the person of Jesus Christ. I'm committed to him. I'm going to trust him. And I'm willing to throw my life into his hands because he will not let me down. But God, God has also placed people in our life to be able to fill, if I can say it this way, to fulfill the great commission. But the great commission is not going to be fulfilled if we're not willing to be committed to the people that God's placed in our life to be able to fulfill that great commission. 
Church, I'm going to turn over to Hebrews for just a moment here. Hebrews chapter number 13. We'll come right back to Judges 7. We believe that the writer of Hebrews was Apostle Paul. Obviously, not completely sure, but we understand that when Paul was writing, a lot of these things are similar. But I want you to notice what he says in Hebrews chapter 13, the last chapter, verse number 7. Verse number 7, 13, verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. Now, I know that person can, might say that's somebody, that could be anybody, but I think that it's really referring to the preacher to a degree here because he says, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. He not only says, remember them, the next phrase in verse 7, it says, whose faith, what's the word? Follow, considering the end of their conversation or the end of their behavior. Look at verse number 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. Now remember verse number 7, remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God. Verse 17, obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. Look at verse number 18, the writer says this, pray for us. I think the writer being the man of God, being Paul, but it says pray for us. We trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. Look at verse 24. Salute all them that have the rule over you. Same phrase mentioned in verse 7 and verse 17. Salute them that have the rule over you and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. Now, church, I guess what I'm trying to get you to see this, this morning is this. Is uh, when it comes to the preacher. And by the way, we're starting the Capital City Baptist Church. And there are going to be people who are going to leave here and go to the Capital City Baptist Church. And I'm going to just tell you the people who are leaving here are quality people. I'm talking quality people. And as the Lord continues to go, uh, we'll tell more. But what I'm trying to say is this. Can, can I be specific? If you end up leaving here and going to the Capital City Baptist Church, you should be just as loyal to Brother Upshindek as you have been to me. And, and we don't like talking that way because we do not believe in man worship. We do not believe in dictatorship. We believe that there's only one sovereign God, and that's God himself, but that God gives us an under-shepherd to help us in our homes and help us in leadership as far as us as a congregation, church, ecclesia, to be able to do fulfill God's commands for our life. But church, I mean, do you understand from Hebrews chapter number 13, what were you supposed to do for the man of God? He says you're supposed to remember him. He says you're supposed to pray for him. He says you're supposed to obey him. You're supposed to submit to him. The word to salute him doesn't mean, you know, don't do that every time you see Pastor Hank. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about to greet, to welcome. Church, I mean, can I just tell you that you ought to be committed, just like the 300, uh, 300 Gideons, 300 men, they were committed to Gideon. Here they are going against 135,000 Midianites, and they said, hey, listen, whatever Gideon says, that's what we're going to do. Messages like this get, get to me personally. They get a little bit tense because, number one, we're talking about the office of the pastor. But, church, I mean, you cannot get around the fact, if I was to get up and preach today how the man ought to lead the home and how the man ought to be the, uh, be the, uh, the, the constitute, the word constitution is the one that's supposed to constitute the home. You would all be in agreement about that. But when we come to the church, sometimes we get a little closed mouth because of a pastor who maybe didn't possibly do right in some areas of their life. But you cannot get away from the two offices that God placed in the church. He placed the office of the pastor and the office of a deacon, and those are supposed to be offices in the church that God has placed. The pastor and the deacon is no better. It's the same grace of God, same foot of the cross. We're all saved the same way, but it's just the offices that God placed in our life. I'm telling you that 135,000 Midianites died that day because they were committed to a man because that man was committed to God. And I'm just, we as God's people, we, we, you got to be careful that you stop, that you don't get offended with the personality or sometimes maybe the preaching or, or maybe something that the pastor does. You have to stay focused that, listen, this ecclesia called out assembly that God gave me an overseer in my life and I'm supposed to remember him. I'm supposed to obey him. I'm supposed to submit to him. I'm supposed to salute him. Uh, 
greet him. We're supposed to do all these things, not because he's better than anybody else, but because we are at Ecclesia, and God says there's going to be an under-shepherd, like we talk about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is in Scripture is called the chief shepherd. He's called the good shepherd. He's called the great shepherd. And God has given us an under-shepherd when it comes to the, to the man of God to be able to lead God's people. Church, I mean, I'm not asking for you to be committed to Scott Hanks. I'm asking you to be committed to the church that God's placed in, in Lawrence, Kansas. I'm talking about I'm going to be committed. I'm going to, to place in trust. What happens if that trust is broken? Well, then I want to tell you something. If the trust is broken, we go to God and say, God, fix this thing. God fixes it, and you put the trust right where, back where it was. Our trust is not in man. Our trust is in God. Are, are, are you on me this morning? Do you, do you understand today's message? I don't need a following. What we need is we need to do God's plan God's way. And what, can, can I tell you what God's plan was? Gideon, you tell those people to do what you do. Just remember, did they, win the, did they win the war? You know why they won the war? Because 300 people who were committed to a man named Gideon did exactly what Gideon did. Gideon, Gideon says, listen, what I do, you do likewise. He says, make sure that you have a trumpet in your right hand. He says, make sure that picture's in your left hand. Just remember, he was so specific, he told him what hand to be holding what. He says, you blow the trumpet. He says, you smash the pitcher. He says, you raise that lamp up high, and then you shout as loud as you can. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Listen, there needs to be a commitment. You know, sometimes our kids, if we're not careful, they come home and criticize their Sunday school teacher. You know, there ought to be a certain amount of loyalty to the people who are investing in your life. You ought to love your Sunday school teacher. You ought to love your school teacher. You ought to love the people that God's placed in your life to influence your life. They're, they're imperfect people that God uses. By the way, you look at the rest of Gideon's life. Gideon did something he should, something he should have never done. He made some really good choices, but he made some choices that were bad. But I'm going to just tell you something. God still used Gideon to be able to cause a great victory. So first of all, I see is they were committed to a person and they were willing to follow the man that God placed in their path to follow. Look at the next thing with me, chapter, six, chapter 7, verse number 16. Church, I, mean, uh, I'm not, I don't think I have to read it tonight or this morning, but I, I guess what I want you to see is this, okay? Here's, here's what took place, okay? And you're welcome to read 16, 17, 18 again if you'd like. Just not while I'm preaching, please. Okay, now, here's what takes place. <clears throat> hey, fellas, you see all those guys that are in camp down there? There's 135,000 of them. Church family, did you know that in the Douglas County area, not just Lawrence, in the Douglas County area, the population of Douglas County is 99,000? I didn't say Lawrence, I said Douglas County, which includes several other cities, not just Lawrence. 99,000. Church family, can you imagine if we got all those people together? How much space it would have had to have taken up? And here's Gideon standing out here with his 300, 300 men, you see all those people down there? All right, so here's the game plan. 100 of you are going to go there, 100 of you are there, 100 of you are going to be with me. I'm going to blow the trumpet. You do exactly what I do. <laughs> How come the first time it's so easy? <laughs> Finally. I'm going to blow the trumpet. I'm going to smash this pitcher. And then you're going to raise your, your lamp. And you're going to shout. I don't know about you, but those 300 men must have looked at Gideon and said, Gideon, did you eat something you weren't supposed to? Are, are you okay? Have you been sick? 
is there any senality in your bloodline? Church, it didn't seem like a very good plan, did it? But you know what they were committed? They were not only committed to a person, they were committed to the plan. You know why? Because it's the plan that God gave Gideon. It's the plan that Gideon gave them. This is the plan we're going to do. I know it sounds crazy. I know you've got a sword on your side, but there's no way we can go 450 against one and we're going to win. The only way we're going to win is if God does something. And you know what? They looked at that plan, and, it must, and that plan must have seemed ridiculous to them. But they followed the plan. There's some of you that are trying to raise children right now, and you've got all kinds of people telling you on how you need to counsel your children, how you need to do the timeout program, how you need to do the, the, the you know, um, what happens when they can't do stuff for a while? Grounding. You know, all of those things. Are, are you all with me still so far? Hey, can I just tell you, I, God's plan might not seem like it makes a whole lot of sense, but spanking still works. It does. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. I'm just telling you that God's plan still works. It's not a matter of me trying to come up with a different plan. I know the plan doesn't make sense. I don't have enough money to make ends meet. And I'm supposed to give my tithes and offerings? That doesn't make any sense. God's plan does not always make sense, and neither does it have to make sense. You just need to follow his plan. You know, that commitment, when we say to a plan, is really commitment to Scripture. In other words, I'm willing to follow God's plan for my life. I don't have to figure it out. God's plan is going to include reading my Bible and praying, going to church, giving my tithes and offerings, tell others about Jesus Christ. All of these things are part of God's plan. I've got to trust his plan, not try to come up with my own. Just look through the scripture and you're going to find out people that didn't look like it was a very good plan or even how things turned out at the first. And you think to yourself, why in the world? Why did Joseph have to be a prisoner for 13 years before he could become a governor of Egypt? Why did David have to go take care of sheep on a, on a hillside for all those years and then run from Saul as a fugitive before he became the, the king of Israel for 40 years? J Job had to lose everything before God could give him twice as much. All of those things in life does not seem like the right plan. You think, boy, I wish God would do things differently. But his plan is always perfect. And his plan is always right. Why am I going through all of these things in my life? Because it's God's plan. God's plan. Brother Meeks, I'm going to come over here so you can hear me. Hey, do you remember when Lauren's Paper Company gave us that um, printing press uh -huh. and you remember how somebody else came and got it besides me do you remember that <laughs> yeah. okay good I thought you would so <clears throat> brother Meeks took a printing press that was at Lawrence Paper Company and he refurbished it completely new parts new everything so that we could use it at the print shop here so that we can continue to print gospel tracts and in the process of time um, a staff member that had left us decided that he wanted that printing press instead of our church getting that printing press. And so I didn't, beyond, beyond my knowing about it, that staff member that left, he went and got it. And Brother Meeks did not know any, didn't know any difference because it was all at the same time of him leaving. And so he went over there and took the printing press apart and put it on a semi to take with him out of town. And I found out about it at the same time, the last strap is being put on the semi. So I go to Lawrence Paper Company, and he was not there. I, didn't, I don't know if you even knew the whole story. But when I got there, and the semi driver was putting the last strap on the printing press that he gave to our church, 
I said, what are you doing? I was talking to the truck driver. I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm taking this to Oklahoma. I said, no, you're not. I said, you're taking that five, three miles down the road to the Heritage Baptist Church. That belongs to us. Of course, I was kind of not happy. So he didn't question me. He said, okay. He had papers for, for the trucking company that says it was supposed to go to Oklahoma. He didn't question me at all. He said, okay, I'll, I'll bring it there. Oh, so mad. So he brought it down here. In the meantime, I called Becker and said, you get somebody down to the rental company and get me a forklift because we're taking that off and it's going to land at the Heritage Baptist Church. Oh, I did what a pastor's supposed to do. I called for counsel and I called my father on the phone. I said, Dad, you're not going to believe what just took place. That staff member is going to try to take the printing press that was given to our church by one of our church members. And my father, I just, you know, my dad's a fighter. He was always a fighter, always leaned toward truth, never mercy. And over the phone, he said, let him have it. I said, what? He said, he said, let him have it. It's not worth it. I said, Dad, it's not right. He said, it might not be right, but you need to let him have it. I said, okay. Well, I wasn't going to listen to him. I just said, okay, anyway. <laughs> so I hung up. And I still came back to the church. I didn't care if I had to push it off the truck. It ain't going anywhere. There's no way somebody's going to steal what was given to our church. So I got to the church. And my dad called me back. He said, so did you tell the truck driver to go on down the road? I said, no. I said, that belongs to us. It doesn't belong to him. And my dad said, Scott... You better let it go. Uh. <laughs> I hung up with my father. I went over to the truck driver. I gave him a $20 bill. I said, hey, here's your, here's your lunch down the road. You go ahead and take it. And he left. And I want to tell you something. That wasn't my plan. And to be honest with you, I didn't like it. But I want to tell you something. Two years later, printer that that print press that they took that printer never stayed there the place that he took it to called me and said hey we got this printing press we can't run would you like to have it in my mind I'm thinking stick it in your ear I just look at the things that have happened at heritage and I think I said there's no way this is God's plan there's just no way this is not right I want to tell you something. Your life can be the same way. Things are happening in your life, and you don't like what's happening in your life, and you think there's no way this is God's plan. I want to tell you, you better, you've got to be committed to his plan, whether you like it or not. You have to. You have to. Come here, Simon. Okay, so here's your life. You know, if you drop this and mess my illustration up, you're in trouble, all right? You're going to get, a, you're going to get an F in college. I can tell you right now. All right. This is your plans, and you think everything's going to be picture perfect. And God says, hey, listen, why don't you give me your plan instead of, let, instead of you trying to do all the planning, why don't you let me have it? And what he wants to know is he wants to know if you're going to let go of it. He is more than capable of taking your plan and making exactly what it needs to be. Hey, can I just tell you the end of the story on the printing press? The printing press situation is when uh, our printer left us, I couldn't even turn the machine on. I didn't even know where the button was for the power. In fact, when they left, he said, you do know Mercy and Truth is going to shut down because nobody knows how to run the press. 
And he was right. No, nobody knew how to run the press except for him. He just forgot one thing. There's a God in heaven. Amen. So sure enough, when he left, I couldn't do anything as far as printing press, so we got rid of him. We already had printing presses, full, I mean, full color, four color printing presses. We, we got rid of them. And, we, and then we had to go digital. But who would have ever thought that digital would a hundred times more do more than what we were doing mechanically? The books now and the booklets and the tracks and the c c Sunday school curriculum and door hangers and all the stuff that we're doing now, we could have never done that with a mechanical printing press. The digital took things beyond our imagination. But I didn't have enough sense to know that that was going to happen. You know why? Because I couldn't see it happening. You know what's going to have to happen in your life? I don't know how this is going to work, and I don't see how this is going to work, and all I see is failure, and all I see, what you've got to be is committed to his plan. Amen. Not my will, but thine be done. Amen. Thank you. Sir Chairman, quickly, I'm going to give you this last one. We're done. I see that these 300 men were not only committed to a person, which was Gideon, they were also committed to a plan. But last of all, look at your Bible. Look at verse number 22. Look, verse number 20, I'm sorry. Verse number 20 says this. And the three, three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their, in, in their left hand, hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all. And they cried, the sword of the Lord of Gideon. Now I want you to read just the first phrase of verse 21. Let's read it together. Ready? And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. Hey, can I tell you something? You've got to be committed to your place. Hey, these 300 men, they could have... 100 here, 100 there, 100 there. They could have thought to themselves, we need to spread out. There's only 300. We've got to make sure that we look like a lot. No, you've got to be in the place God puts you. You've got to be in the place that God puts you. Church, I mean, oh, so much goes through my mind about how we ended up at Heritage Baptist Church. We would have never ended up at Heritage Baptist Church if I would not have been in the place that I was in. The connections of the people who knew us and the people who recommended us, all of those things would have been for naught and would have never happened if I would have been just in, a, in the wrong place. Just I me, mean, it's the same thing in your life. God has a place for you. He has a place for you in your home, a place for you in your church, a place for you in the ministry uh, as far as serving the Lord. And each of us need to be in our place. What was the biggest problem with Demas? Demas wasn't in his place. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. What was the biggest problem with John Mark? The biggest problem that caused the contention between Paul and Barnabas was simply because John Mark left them and was not in the place that he was supposed to be. You know, all the, we don't always like the place that we're in. Can you imagine being Joseph in prison for 13 years? I don't think I'd like that place. But how do you think he felt when he was second in command and everybody answered to him and he's living in a plush house got a wife and two kids now and now his his brethren are coming bending a knee asking for some corn i think he was a pretty happy camper you know why because he was willing to be in the place that god wanted him to be in so that he could be in the place that god intended for him to be in what's your place this morning marriage child rearing sunday school teacher bus captain teacher worker Layman, where, where is God? Can I just tell you, you've got to be satisfied with your place. I wish I was the pastor of the church. I wish you were too. <laughs> I wish I was married to so-and-so instead of the one I've got. Or I wish I, I, wish I, I, I wish I had this many children instead of the ones that we have. 
Stop wishing to being another place. Be committed to the place that God placed you in. Okay, I don't know if you're having a rough time right now, but I understand this one thing. If you stay committed to God, it's not always going to be this rough. Stay committed to the place. Well, my place doesn't seem like it's, you know, everybody doesn't notice it. But if you're in the right place, you can't ask for anything better. Amen. Committed. So I look at these 300 men. I'm done. I look at these 300 men, and I see that they were committed. They were committed to a person. Get in whatever you say that's what we're going to do. They were committed. They were committed to the plan. Get in. That doesn't sound like a very good plan, but that's what you want us to do. You want us to blow a trumpet, smash a pitcher, and hold up a, a lamp. I, I can do that. They were committed to a place. And their place for this group was over here, that group over there, that group over there, and wherever your place is, is here. You know, one of the biggest, um, and one of the biggest struggles for me, and I know it's not you, but one of the biggest struggles for me, I don't know why I haven't, because I've never experienced what we're about to experience, is people leaving Heritage as far as Capital City. I know it sounds crazy. It's, it's difficult inwardly for me to see people leave here. And by the way, it's that way when people leave bad as well as when they leave good. It, it bothers me. I'm telling you, it bothers me. I just cannot. I, my world turns upside down, and I can't, I can't show that face. In this situation, it's a good way. Capital City's about to start. Brother and Sister Johnson Jr., pretty well set as far as they're knowing that's God's will for them to go over there. Brother and Sister Cornwell, pretty well, pretty close to being set as far as I'm leaving. And there's others that are actually still praying for God's will. And I'm just telling you that inside, it's like, you know, this, this is our family. And, I, and I, inside, I struggle. But at the same token, this is, Lord, it won't be the first church where we start others. When we started Great Bend, three and a half hours away, I knew none of you were leaving. <laughs> so this, is, this has been, in, for me, it's been very difficult because the, the days are getting closer now. And, you know, I say it from the pulpit, and it's not a cliche. We're not subtracting. We are multiplying. The reason we start churches is because that's God's will. And then what God does, he multiplies it from that. But I don't like the plan. It's his plan, but I don't like it. You know, and by the way, when God takes away, he always brings. I mean, it's just the way he does things. He brings special people. He brings other special people in. You know, what I struggle with as a pastor, every one of you struggle with as a person, as a, as a church member, you struggle in so many different areas, and your areas are just so different, but we all struggle the same way. Am I going to be committed to a person, the person that God's placed in my life? Am I going to be committed to his plan, and am I going to be committed to the place that God's placed me? When these folks, if the Lord continues as the direction is going, when they leave, then they have a place, and they need to be committed to that place. God's placed you here, be committed here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust him. You think you can catch that one more time? All right, let me see that thing for a second here. Thank you very much. I'm a little farther away this time. Church <laughs> family, this is you. You're breakable. You're breakable. But you're not your own. What you need is you be committed. I'm going to just trust God. 
He just broke a rib, but he trusted me. <laughs> you know, is it funny that, <laughs> Brother Miller, you, we, we expect our kids to trust us. But it's almost like, you know, how can God expect me to trust him? It's because you're his kid. Would you go ahead and close your eyes this morning?